of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can't fault the honesty of the Psalms. They address real issues for a real person living in the real world. How much longer will you forget me, O Lord? forever? How much longer will you hide yourself from me? This stuff happens. It happens to people like us. The psalmist is one in a long list of believers who have struggled with faith and darkness. It's a scorching hot day in Avalon. Arriving there, you feel like you've stepped off the train onto the set of a spaghetti western. You half expect to see Clint Eastwood wearing a, a poncho and puffing on a cigarillo, shielding his eyes from the sun, heat and dust and sweat. So that ice-cold beer in the partial shade of the village square is very welcome. The reason for the trip to this off the beaten track corner of Spain is a visit to the church built in honour of Teresa of Avila, close to the place where she prayed as a Carmelite nun. Inside the church it's blessedly cool, serene and sacred, a reminder of the deep things of the soul that preoccupied her. Another honoured saint of the church was hugely influenced by Teresa and her teaching. One of the most famous wrestlers with the kind of spiritual anguish the psalmist describes with such pain. And he was John of the Cross, the author of what became a famous religious classic called The Dark Night of the Soul. And he knew all about that soul-wrenching experience. This hobbled giant of the faith taught the meaning of what it was to endure what is described as a period of spiritual desolation suffered by a man or woman of faith in which all sense of consolation is removed, a collapse of a perceived meaning in life, an eruption into your life of a deep sense of meaninglessness. That's what it feels like, spiritual darkness. As Tim Farrington puts it in a meditation on depression and the dark night of the soul, 
You don't need to retire to a cloister or the desert for years on end to experience a true dark night of the soul. You don't even have to be pursuing any particular spiritual path. Raising a challenged child or caring for a failing parent for years on end is at least as purgative, he says, as donning robes and shaving one's head. To endure a mediocre work situation for the sake of the paycheck that will feed your family demands at least as much in the way of daily surrender as years of pristine silence in a monastery. He says no one can know in advance how and where the night will come and what form God's darkness will take. Alethea Luna, in her book, The Ultimate Guide to Emotional, Psychological and Spiritual Healing, talks about it being like this. The dark night of the soul is not merely having a bad day or even weak. The dark night is a long, pervasive and very dark experience. If you're experiencing the dark night of the soul, she says, you will constantly carry around with you a sense of being lost your heart will constantly be in some shape or another in mourning. And this because you long deep down to feel the presence of God in your soul again. The novelist Elizabeth Goodge in her book Green Dolphin Street puts it this way. I am nothing, nothing, nothing. She was clinging to that, she found, as a sort of anchor because it kept her from having to face the terrible possibility that God himself was not. That God himself was not. And the realisation of God's nothingness would be the final horror that could not be borne. She must let go of the very last thing left her, the knowledge of her own nothingness, and face it. And she let go and looked around for God and did not find him. Then there was nothing except the dark night. And there have been plenty others. And there are people here who have been there or maybe even are there now. And what's happening in all of this? Are we just acknowledging that sometimes even Christian people feel a wee bit depressed? Is that all we're talking about? Was John of the Cross just a wee bit depressed? Was the psalmist just on a bit of a downer that day? Or are we addressing a more profound existential crisis? profound disconnect. People use some colourful phrases to talk about our bleaker moments. Black dog was what Churchill had. A brown study was what my father-in-law went into. The moody blues. So are people just a bit off colour? Or are we encountering something that goes to the very core of our being? When it happens... As happen, it does. People tend to distance themselves, remove themselves from the very people and places and moments that both highlight how far they have drifted, yet ironically might have offered the best hope of reigniting faith, bringing back the light. 
See, what happens is that what other folk are doing in the context of worship just leaves us cold. Our prayers bounce stubbornly and forlornly off the ceiling. And God, whoever he is, seems a million miles away. The words of faith sound trite, tired, over-familiar. When once they were precious and touching and true, we begin to doubt if it ever was real for us, whether we were ever really in love with this Lord. Maybe we just went with it because it was easier than living with doubt and the loneliness of being in charge of our own life. And these are some of the dynamics that kick in when we hit the wall. When our heart, our heart, echoes the words of the psalmist, How long must I endure trouble? How long will sorrow fill my heart day and night? Look at me, look at me, O Lord. Answer me. Answer me. And we feel forgotten by God, abandoned to deal with our crisis on our own, when we might have hoped that the hand of God would have steadied things, brought support and direction when we needed it most. Instead, it feels like there's nothing and there's nobody to be for us what we expected God to be for us. So is that it? Is that it for us now? However long or brief our engagement with the faith, now having seemed to have it fail us in our moment of need, faith is finished as far as we're concerned. Henceforth we go alone. People who help other people cope with depression offer a range of resources coping mechanisms, coping mechanisms and strategies put in place to bring some equilibrium. Sometimes it's through the the systems and the methods of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and they suggest processes that will allow space for help to be given, hope to find a foothold step by step moving forward out of the gloom. Little helpful tips like wear a rubber band on your wrist and use it to snap yourself into a more positive frame of mind. Take up exercise as a a major game changer. Share your feelings in a safe place with someone who will listen. Talk about how it is with you, with people you trust. Don't forget to take your medication. All useful, vital resources, creative and healing. For the man or woman of faith, who has lost their way, whose faith lies in broken pieces, crushed under the steamroller of circumstances, disappointment, betrayal, or hurt. What is the way out of their labyrinth of contradictory feelings and genuine loss? The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous have helped countless people since 1935 because steps are helpful, not giant impossible leaps. Just little steps, incremental shifts that make a difference. So here are seven steps that just might help us deal with the onset of spiritual darkness. Step one, don't go away. Don't go away and take refuge somewhere else and give to that group or that 
organisation, the focus, the energy, the time, the commitment, the trust that can be used to reconfigure and revitalise our faith that was once so precious, so much a feature of our life. Give the time, give the focus, give the energy, give the commitment to the people who are around you and love you here. Step two. Do talk about how you feel to other pilgrims. The darkness can come, it happens, it's not a failure. In truth, the real surprise is that it doesn't happen more often to more people. Spiritual dryness can assail any of us. So talking about it, sharing it, and the pain and the confusion that it brings is a crucial step. Step three. Do read, do pray, do sing. Here are the springs of refreshment. The great truths that we've forgotten or mislaid. The inspiration of the lives of other Christians. The poetry and the tenderness of music that slips in under the radar of our resistant heart and touches us again in the deep places with truth. Beauty and truth combined in a hymn that stops us in our tracks and reminds us who we are and who God is and how close he is. Step four. Understand that this can be a time when you go or are taken to a deeper level of faith. Where you find things that you might have missed when it was all easy and straightforward and simple and clear. Down there, down there in the slough of despond, out there in the valley full of shadows, we discover, or there is the possibility that we might discover, a depth of trust. A strength that comes to us in our weakness. And we realise we realize our dependence on God and we put our trust in him and lean on his heart like never before because there's nowhere else to go. Like a child resting in its mother's arms. Step five. Follow the logic of God. If he is who he is, Though we might feel him far away, he is who he has always been and is where he has always been. It's trite, I know, to talk about the sun is always shining even though the clouds for a time shroud it and we shiver with cold. But there is reality there. The character of God is not changed by our circumstances. Our feelings shift, blown by the harsh winds of reality. But he is constant, more constant than the northern star. So remember the logic of who God is, and that helps us to recalibrate. Step six, rediscover the creative effects of fellowship, working together with other Christians who all have their story and have all made their journey and could tell us much about the dark night. And how hard faith can be. But when we roll up our sleeves and set to a purpose for God, whether that's helping others, supporting the projects that express our Christian love, making happen the things that deepen our sense of belonging and togetherness, that helps us to act ourselves into a new way of feeling. 
That perspective changes things, transforms our thinking and can lift our spirit. Working together, journeying together. And step seven. Be part of making a congregation that is suffused with tenderness and awareness and his eyes to see and bring a real welcome that's committed to being sensitive and supportive, positive and upbringing, upbuilding and encouraging, a gathering of people who listen and pray and hold each other, a place that's stimulating and restless to be the best for God that it can be. When that's our focus, when that is our direction of travel, things are different. And we can find again the song that used to fill our heart. We read of David's pain in Psalm 13. But you know, somehow he got there. He got through the dark night of the soul. Somehow the psalmist got from saying, How much longer will you forget me, O Lord? Forever? He got from there to, I rely on your constant love. I will be glad because you will rescue me. I will sing to you, O Lord, because you have been good to me. Somehow, within the same song, the psalmist got from, How much longer will you forget me, Lord? To, I rely on your constant love. I will be glad because you will rescue me. I will sing to you, O Lord, because you have been good to me. And that is a journey we can all make. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.